Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the PD Sports Podcast. We are up and about up here on YouTube. Damo, how are you going? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Pretty uh, good day, day off uh, for me, and obviously you're on holidays, and uh, managed to even watch the boys live this morning, which was good, yeah. and uh, been a pretty good day. Can't complain when we're getting 6-1 wins as well. For those that are listening, this whole episode is up on YouTube. Make sure you get over to Paulie29. That's my channel at the moment. Damo's got his channel, Damo underscore 23, where he's got a lot of FM content there. Probably enough of the plug to start off with. Another big weekend of Premier League action. Massive, massive results, either positive or negative, for some of the title favourites. We're going to get straight into Arsenal West Ham. I put up a short last night already reiterating my point that Arsenal are bottling the league away. We yep. spoke about it last week. You were 50-50 mainly because of the game that they still needed to play. I think that was with the intention of Arsenal probably going on and winning out between West Ham, Southampton before they play Man City. Correct. That hasn't happened. Arsenal have gone and thrown another 2-0 lead away. This time in probably more dramatic circumstances. The, the shoe was definitely on the other foot um, this time around this week because Arsenal... We're tuning up inside 10 minutes, practically. Scored two really nice goals. Jesus off the back of some really good play from Martinelli. And Odegaard with a great side foot finish uh, to go 2 up very, very early on. Cruising until Party thinks he's got everything under control. Turns the ball over. Handball happens. There's a penalty there. London Stadium gets up and about. Jared Bowen, been nowhere all season, (laughs) finds a goal. Sandwiched in between those two moments, though, Saka goes and misses the penalty pretty much the exact same way that Salah missed his penalty the week before. A lot of penalty misses at the moment. The I know, league. it's crazy. You think the pressure's really starting to tighten up and some players who... Even Tony's missed a penalty. I was about to say that. So some players who you don't anticipate normally missing penalties, missing penalties. But the draw means more now than it did against Liverpool. 100%. You can 100% Liverpool, Anfield, Arsenal's not a combination that they like. Particularly, so for Arsenal, if you offered them a point at the start of the game against Liverpool, they would have taken it on the proviso that they get three points at London Stadium. Hasn't happened, and I don't know if you've listened to it. The interview with Arteta is really interesting after the game. Um, by your look, I'm going to assume you haven't heard uh, it. I usually listen to most, but because my weekend has been so crazy and busy, I actually haven't heard Arteta's or Guardiola's. I've heard Klopp's, obviously, and I've heard... Um, uh, look, I've heard a couple others. Uh, so but not, not there were some big questions about mentality, yeah, and fatigue, and what Arsenal need to do to overcome this. And Arteta was very firm that there's no excuse for fatigue. He goes, if we were fatigued, we wouldn't come out the gates the way we do. So he doesn't believe that fatigue is a factor, but he mentioned pressure, and he goes, if my players were tense, you'd see it from minute one but there's a mentality issue that we need to overcome in order to kill teams off and cut them by the throat. So he's recognising that there's something wrong there. When they're getting to two new, they're getting complacent. And he didn't know how to answer the questions around the complacency. So that's the big thing for me. Surely you can't be getting complacent when you've got this Man City team breathing down your neck. Oh, 100%. We've been there. We know what that feels like. And we've thrown it away more than we've held on. And that's (laughs) the problem. And that's what I fear for Arsenal is that you put in this huge shift and this huge effort, but it's all for nothing because you drop some silly points. Now, Man City have dropped some of those points early in the season, but they love being in the position they're in now. They love having to go and win 
11, 12 games in a row and just hit fourth gear and overpower teams? Look, for me, it's the good old adage that Ferguson used to say as someone that is a Ferguson lover. Season doesn't start till game week 30. Yeah. You know, up until game week 30, results happen. It's all about putting yourself in a position for the season to start. Now it's season. Now it's game time. This is where champions are made and the not-so-ready fall away. The reason why I had it 55-45 in favour of Arsenal last week was because I expected them to beat West Ham and to beat Southampton, and that puts massive pressure in City in that moment to go and win. Yeah. Now it's almost in a position, if you're City, you know as long as you don't lose to Arsenal in that game... It's in your hands. It's probably in your hands, and Arsenal more than likely will probably bottle something else throughout the line. I want to touch on the two different type of 2-2s as well. The Liverpool one was, well, as you mentioned, not historically a great pace and not a great well, team recent, for Arsenal. Recent history. That is correct. And then on top of that as well, um, you know, by the end of the game, Aaron Ramsdale's region got a point. This game here, it was, what, five, ten minutes of madness? Yeah. About that. And then on Either top, side of half-time again. And on top of that as well, they never seem to have the answer to be able to stop that slide. And they never seem to have the answer to then find that killer goal. A, a team that's probably been in that situation that champions elect, I actually think finds a 93rd minute winner there, right? Like we, they did against Villa. I was going to say that. Like that, they've, they've seen moments. This is why I had them 55-45 because I saw enough moments to think maybe, just maybe, there's going to be those moments going on. Hasn't happened. I think now it definitely swings the title 70-30 in favour of City. But the other one that, I know I haven't watched Teta's interview, but the interviews or the post-match I watched this game was actually all the Sky Sports yeah. and Gary Neville was trying to have an argument with um, Roy Keane and uh, oh, I'm tempted to say it's Michael Richards but I might be wrong because yeah. um, I think he's on BT so I'm definitely wrong no, he's um, on Sky as well and it was more Neville was like if you were Arsenal you would snap your hand off of this right now and if you come second it's a really good year and Roy Keane put the other shoe in the foot and I want to know where you sit he's saying no you can't be in this position and throw it away and be happy with that season yeah which which camp do you sit on? Because I understand both points of view then. It was a pretty heated discussion. That's um, my post-game, what I've watched. Yeah, but yeah, I'm with Roy Keane there. I think you need to be adapting your season objectives. So give Arsenal second place at the start of the season with no context. They'd bite your hands off and they take it. But when you have led the charge the whole season, I think, and their January strategy showed that they were in win-now mode. You don't go and get Trossard and Jorginho. Correct. If you don't think you're a chance, they've gone and strengthened, and they've got that Polish centre back, yeah, that Kishwa, whatever. Yeah, I don't know what his name is. Can't but he played the World Cup. You've gone and brought in three guys right now to fill your squad out, so that you can compete across the European and Premier League front. So, if Liverpool, it's like the same thing with Liverpool 2013. We were shattered that we didn't win that league, but we should have been nowhere near that league at the time compared to City. And we were three games to go, we still had that in our hands. And we were disappointed that we didn't win the league. Although we haven't been in the Champions League for years before that, we were disappointed that we didn't win that title. And if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be feeling the exact same way that we did in 13-14 because when you're that close, you've just got to get it done because what it means long-term is a lot more. So yes, they'll get a year of Champions League. Yeah. If they lose this title, though, that could be very mentally scarring on the team and do what we did. And then you fall away again for a couple of years. That. But if yeah. you win this title, this next transfer window, it's we're going to the Premier League champions. You can build on that better than, yeah, you come second. Oh, but now Martinelli's going to go to Real Madrid the same way that Suarez just went to Barca and we lost that whole window because we didn't win the title. Yeah. So that's my worry. And Sterling goes off to Man City and 
our team got pulled apart very quickly and then within a few months, Brendan was gone too. So if I was Arsenal, you got to make this one count to make sure that you've got that structure there for the next season. And I'm not going to sit here and write them off. And I'm firmly in the camp as well that without context, I agree with Gary Neville, with context, I'm on the Roy King side of the fence because we've been there in 2013. Um, I think the other thing that I didn't like about this from the Arsenal perspective is how does this now matter mentally to them? Yeah. I think if it was they were two new down against West Ham, they got a two-two. Yeah, it's that, different. That mentally could be a, you know a very different picture to be two new up in two different, completely different games. A week apart, not even. What happens if Southampton get the first one in the first five minutes at Southampton next week? Like, well, it's at, at the Emirates too. You imagine what that yeah. atmosphere is going to be like. Yeah. So, look, I think we're going to be teetering around this issue for a yeah. few more weeks. I think once we see what happens City-Arsenal, we're going to get a better picture on what's going on. Correct. If Ars- I don't think it matters anymore what Arsenal do. If Arsenal lose that Southampton game or draw it, their position's not going to change from here now. And I actually don't think if they win, their position changes much for that City game. City playing in the FA Cup. I don't know if they play Champions League between that as well. I think they might. They might have Champions League this week and then straight into an FA Cup. So they still have a couple of games still to play. But oh, they're just rolling. They're rolling. And let's just move straight into City as well. What I liked about City in this game was your 2 new up at half-time. Was it 3-0? 2? Two? 2, I'm pretty I think it was sure. 2. 2 because Harlan, I think, scores after half-time, right? No, no, he came off at half-time. And that's what I was about to say. No, so Harlan scores 2 and then they scored just after half-time. Yeah, time. so that's they're 2 new up and they yeah. go, come on, off you get. And this is the rest. Like, we're talking about how's Harlan going to get rested this season? This. None of us thought it'd be he plays 45 minutes, gets two goals. And this is not the first time that he's started, scored one, set one up, played another 5-10 and come off after 50 minutes, 55 minutes. So Guardiola has managed him so well this year. He's one goal away from the all-time Premier League record with seven games still to play and doesn't look like he's stopping anytime soon. Man City are just a different beast. This is a very different way of Man City playing, but it's still the domination of we've got better players than you. We're going into every game believing we're going to win, and if they don't win, it's because it's something that they have done. I never thought the way that they've moved away from Cancelo, taken away, they've flipped their inverted wingbacks. So traditionally, that right wingback was a wingback. It was Kyle Walker bombing in behind, down the byline. Now they've gone to the left-hand side through Ake, predominantly, playing as a fullback, with Stones now playing the inverted wing back on the right and Guardiola coming out and saying Kyle's going to have to figure out how to play the role on the right if he's going to play in this team. And the, the team is so much better for it because now Grealish gets that support from Ake being a more traditional fullback so he can flourish and he can get the most out of his 100 million pound man on the left wing. Yeah who has De Bruyne sitting in behind him, Harlan stretching the defence in front of him, creating this monster pocket in that channel for him to just do what he wants. And the penalty comes from, let's just get the ball to the guy who can dribble his feet, <laughs> let him do something, no. put a ball into the box. Chaos. It's either someone's hitting that on the edge of the box, it's going to Harland, or he's creating a penalty. And the last five weeks, Grealish has been fantastic because he's been given a licence to be the Grealish that was at Aston Villa. And, that's why I'm in the pro-City camp as much as I don't want to be. Because when you can just turn a £100 million signing on like that and just shift the way you're playing to make it work, how do you, there's Foden, there's Mares, there's Gundogan, there's Bernardo Silva who started the season and can't get a sniff now. 
who's to say that he's now fresh and they give him a run of five games to play in the middle with De Bruyne and he starts dictating the tempo and running games because he's fresh. That's my worry if I'm Arsenal. Same team, same 11 for Arsenal every game versus these superstars that are roaring to be involved. Correct. And I, I think that's always been the case with cities. You always feel that their second team, we say it every week, their second team could win the Prem. Yeah. Right, with all the right things being said. By the way, I do believe Stone scored first from outside the edge of the box in that game. And so that means I probably scored three at half, by half time. Um, I'm, like, I'm like nearly 90% sure I was thinking about that as you were saying it. Um, but with that being said, uh, yeah, so you're right. It was 3-0 three, three inside 25. Yeah, that's it. Um, with that being said, is I just love what they've done with Ake. And it's a, and that's freed up Grealish because he hasn't had someone encroaching in those areas that are inside for him so he can drive inside. It's, you might have saw last year, Kinsella was getting in those areas that Grealish maybe wanted to operate yeah. or to start his movement in. Um, and I just feel like Ake being traditional has allowed for Grealish to... Uh, just flourish in this role. Um, and, you know, we still haven't seen the best of Calvin Phillips. We still haven't seen the yeah, best geez, of... He's actually started in some minutes lately too. Yeah, I know. And you've called for that... A couple of weeks ago. Yeah, a few episodes ago on the pod um, for him to get some minutes because they could transition to a few different things of what they could do. <coughs> I don't think Kyle Walker gets a game, mate. No, not um, at the moment. For what John Stones did, I know we've been all like, oh my God, Trent's playing inverted wing back and he looks great in the midfield, yada, yada, Liverpool should have been doing this for ages. Pep has this magical mind of being able to go, oh, that's an idea that can work. And he's crazy enough to put it into place. And he's got the players that can do it, like putting Bernardo Silva at wing back too. And like, Stones has just looked... He, he, he looked like a midfielder. He, he, he played like yeah, a Yeah, he's got the technical ability to be able to do that role. He looked, Look, and this is no disrespect to any English players out there, any English uh, fans that are of an English descent. He just looked like a Spanish ball player. Yeah. Like, he looked Spanish. Yeah. And I know that's something that might be crazy, but... He was so controlled, it was calm. Yes, the goal was the goal, and I think anybody on their day can hit one sweet and it goes in. Doesn't mean that he's going to do it every week. But for me, it was the movement, how he gets to the ball and creates. And that just gives City a different beast because they're so dominant on the ball. If they've got to create those overloads, you've now inverted wing-backs getting into that midfield third. And that got pushes got like him and Rodri as well together. It, it's like a Twin Towers situation <laughs> physically. How, how do you play against that? I feel like it's just so demanding that unless you're sitting there in like two banks of four and pray that they don't break you down somehow. Yeah, and hit them on the break. And then you're not going to do it. So for me, I'm very much in the same camp as you. City uh, favourites from here because I feel like Arsenal had to keep the pressure on. Uh, I was very interested to see what this City side of out Cancelo and a couple others would have done. If Arsenal won out until they again hasn't happened, I think City are favourites. Yeah, City have to be favourites going into that game at the Etihad, which is still a little bit away. I'm just pulling up the stats from the City-Leicester game because when you look at it from afar, Leicester had enough in this game. But this has been the issue with Leicester for all season. He's like, not clinical and they're leaking goals. That's what happens when you lose 3-1. Yeah. But you have 29% possession, but you still get 11 shots away. And both teams had four shots on target. Now, I'm not going to justify the quality of chances that City had because City typically get the balls into the boxes, Correct. which make Haaland's life a lot easier yeah. because he's finishing from six yards out, 12 yards out. But when you've got 11 shots, four of those on target, I think Madison, I feel sorry for him because he's creating a lot for the players around him and they're not taking those chances. We did a big... Uh, chat a couple of weeks ago about relegation I said Leicester were going down this is right around the time when Brendan got the sack because I didn't see where the goals came from and this is the thing we've said Madison can create and do all, do it all Dak has shown that he's not 
scoring goals. Vardy's not the player he was, and really they shouldn't be relying on a mid-30s Jamie Vardy. Harvey Barnes has dried up, and I think they're still playing Michael Brighton on the right wing. Look, for me, there's one guy you didn't mention there, and this is the guy that I've been screaming that Leicester should be starting game week in, game week out, and it is Ian Nacho. Because if Ian Nacho is the one that Madison's giving the service to, proven that he puts up enough XG, he eventually scores. And, and I he think did they score need the goals. He needs goals. And that's the sort of thing is that I don't know what it is at Leicester, but he always finds a way to not be in the starting eleven. Must and be an attitude thing, surely. It has to be, because he's so good at what he does do in actually in the moments that he creates. I think for Leicester as well, the biggest issue was is that they looked at times really uncompetitive. They look you know what, and this is where it probably I feel sits. for their defence. They look championship quality. Yeah, if I bring up their lineup, yeah. So they've started they've gone to a back three now because they're panicking. Dean Smith is not an ideal manager for this situation either. They've made a goalkeeper change. So Ward's not started the last month. Yeah. Fayez, Suter, Soyuncu. Soyuncu, we know, has been done for so long. Yeah. Suter, I feel sorry for him because he only walked in in January. C- creates the goal anyway. And Fayez, I don't mind him, but again, I haven't seen enough of him. But... I actually think personally he's a little bit of a train wreck. I still remember the day at Anfield for, yeah. for him. Well, um, yeah. And to be fair, he gets quite beat a lot. Leicester's big problems, they never replace Fafana properly. Yeah. And but then if you look at this team, though, yeah. in Diddy, Tielemans, that's a good enough two. To go with Castagna, and then normally it's Luke Thomas who came on. Yeah. If you're going to play a five, it's not a bad five. That, that, that's not a bad five. Like I know Soyuncu's really out of form. He's yep. not the player he was two years ago. Correct. But Soyuncu, Suter, Fayez, we spoke about this on the relegation episode. They've lost a lot in Schmeichel. They've lost the leadership. They've lost experience. Where's Morgan? Those players there. We know they've lost a lot there lately. Correct. But when you've got... I, mean, I don't know Christensen. He's a new signing. He came in, in January. But then Dewsbury Hall, Madison, Vardy as a three. That... Like a Vardy from now shouldn't be starting. He's not scored really at all all season. He's your impact guy that if you are chasing, he'll give you 25 minutes. That's how he should be used. Not the other way around. So you Nacho, maybe you take one of these number eights out as well or the two tens. And you play two, and you play Daka with Iheanacho, and you yeah. go, let's just sit sit a bit deeper. Let Ndidi be the floater. Let Tielemans play next to him. And then get the fullbacks up and running with two guys who are quick, lethal, exciting in behind. Maybe you stretch defences that way. Look, and that's the thing. You look at the lineup and you go, you know, that, is it really that different from the last couple of years they've been finding for Europe? And I'm actually going to go out there and say... Yeah, it is. Like, you obviously had Sunshu in better form. You obviously had Schmeichel. And for me, you had Tielemans in a much better form being able to dominate a game. Should have sold him last year. That's the thing, is they never really went and reinvested this season. And it's bitten probably a little bit too much. The thing is, when you get off to a really poor start like they did, they were really horrid, really unsettled. It's always hard to claw your way back. And the Premier League can be brutal. You don't have to be off by 5%, and anyone's going to beat you. Yeah. And I just feel like, for Madison in particular, how are you meant to be motivated as... Look, he, he's borderline world-class on his day. Yeah. But he's a very good Premier League player. And he knowing could, that Newcastle are probably going to come knocking. You look, I think there's multiple clubs that he goes to. I think he can go to Newcastle. I think if Villa get into Europe. 
I think he would fit in the Villa. I think if uh, Liverpool really wanted to go down that route, they could as well. Um, They're going to go the McAllister route, it looks like. But... Yeah, but, um, uh, you know, and then uh, hang on a second. If McAllister goes, why doesn't Brighton go pick him up? We could even see him go to United and Bruno yeah. plays that deeper role. Yeah, like there's so many options for Madison. So how in this position are you as a world-class player meant to be motivated when you actually... And I feel sorry for him because it looks like he tries. He actually puts up decent... Um, well, he ends up on the right wing, doesn't he, a lot yeah. too. So he's out of position. He, he, he puts up a lot of um, expected assist XG too. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, the poor bloke needs quality around him. And the thing is, is he's probably not played in a team lacking this much quality. Vardy's not the same player he was either. Yeah. Um, so I don't mind if Jewsbury Hall comes out of this 10 role, plays within Diddy in the 8, you drop Tielemans because he's been dreadful this year. You're playing him on a name at the moment. He needs a wake-up call. Jerusby Hall drops in within Diddy as your box-to-box midfielder. Madison slides into the vacant 10, and then you're playing Nacho and Dakar, and you're going, boys, give me something. Just let the ball could, hit Madison's feet and run off him. They could go that way, or for me, it's you go to a four, and you know people think, oh... But they can't they, defend in a four. The thing is, is people will think, oh, if you're playing in a five, a five is very defensive because you've got five. No, it's conceding not. now. Yeah. It, it's not, because if your fullbacks are the players that are giving you big amount of width, then, well, what you're going to do is still going to get caught like they are with players up the path, wing-backs out of position. Sometimes when you go and set up a four, it's a four, but you're telling Christensen, Castagna, whatever, just sit. Yeah. Just sit and screen. You don't need to go up that high. Allow, and that allows Thielen to stay in the team because I think you need to get your most quality players on when you're down there. And then that allows you to play a 4-2-3-1, for instance, or 4-4-2. Four, 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 yeah, 4-3-3. Or 4-4-3-3 three. Four, four, three, and get an extra midfielder. Allows Drewsby Hall maybe to go into the midfield and then allows you to play another winger. Daka can play off the left. Ian Nacho can play off the left. Or off Madison the right, to the left. Yeah. And then, obviously, it's one of them on the right. I think it's at that time now where Leicester is critical. Uh, I actually think that they are in big trouble. Um, I, uh, the, stat, trouble. the stat they mentioned was they've never lost this many games in the Premier League and not gone down. 20 out of 31. So it's, it's not good. And for a team that was borderline, should have finished in the Champions League a couple of years ago. And, you know, been for part multiple of Europe. years as well. And we're in Europe last year. Yeah, I just think it's... Uh, yeah, a bit it, much for them to come back from, I think. I think correct. them and Southampton are pretty well locked in. I know they're only two points out, and we're going to talk about this now. They're only two points out of safety, but I just don't see where they're going to get a win from. So they got Wolves this week. Must win because Wolves aren't scoring goals particularly. Well, they won 2 0 this week. Yeah, one of them, though, Diego Costa's goal is very lucky. So lucky. Very lucky. He just gets kicked into him. Yeah. Um, but, but good on good on Costa. They're pushing away. The big result, I think, that's starting to open this gap up now is the Bournemouth win against Spurs in the last dying seconds has pushed Bournemouth from right in the hunt to probably a little bit of breathing room. Now, we have mentioned that they've got one of the worst goal differences in the league because of the 9-0 yeah. smoking they copped from Liverpool. But West Ham getting a draw was massive. Leeds are really in trouble with that third spot after this morning too. Got smacked up 6-1 by Liverpool. Everton, I think, will do enough under Dyche to find results. He just, knows, home, he just knows how to get results. Enough home games to get them enough points to probably get away from Leeds and West Ham. So, for me right now, I feel like it's going to be a real dogfight between Forest and Leeds for that last last spot that's sitting outside relegation zone. I love oh, whose comments was it? I think it was Marcus Tavernier posted something on TikTok I saw about Dan Juma because Dan Juma was celebrating the goal and then he's reposted their final goal. It's like who would have thought this celebration was for nothing and it like kicks to their winner? I yeah. thought that was a bit of a dig at, at Dan Juma for jumping ship when um, 
they could have probably used his services this year. But look, there's going to be plenty to unfold from the relegation side. I don't want to unpack it all today because by the time we come to next week, it's going to be all different again. It's but, going to, so much is going to play out, but I, I want to touch on the actual Bournemouth uh, game itself and how well Bournemouth played. And this is the thing, is you could get into this sort of way of you're in the relegation fight we really need to not concede we really need to set up we really need to not play we need to make sure we don't concede yeah. goals can we get it to nil nil to the 75th minute and then look to pinch a winner it was a it wasn't a it wasn't a relegation side sort of performance they actually went out there yes they received a lot of pressure yes they defended to the last man at times and yes look on a different day maybe harry kang scores too but they withstood that pressure and they scored yeah. three against a pretty decent Spurs side, which obviously that's massive for them in Europe. Yeah. But it's the goals and the way they went about it and it's that, getting Solanke fit back as well is huge and, and for them. And look, and we're Liverpool fans and we're glad we sold him, but let's not be honest. Uh, but he was, uh, well, let's be honest, and we're glad we sold him. But what a play he's been for them once fit. Yeah. I never knew he was that clinical once given an opportunity. Yeah. And the, I think it is confidence from that year in the championship too, because he scored. Bags Bob in the championship got last overlooked year. because of Mitrovic, but he scored a lot. Yeah. Well, Mitrovic broke the bloody record, but yeah. then Solanke was only a handful of goals behind him. So, yeah. and we've seen strikers transition from the championship into the Premier League as well. Correct. We've seen Ivan Tony go League One Championship Premier League. We've seen Ollie Watkins go Championship Premier League. We've seen oh, not was it not Danny Danny Ingles a while ago um, with Burnley. Yeah, but we're starting to see a trend of. If you're scoring bags, oh, we, Tammy Abraham did That's it for it. Aston yeah. Villa as Correct. well whilst on loan. If you can get 30 goals in the championship, you're probably transitioning to 15 to, to 20 in the Premier League because and the the gap's not that far anymore. Like Correct. We see these championship sides that push it to the end because the money's just that good in England that the teams are, the quality's there. I still think anyone in the top eight in the championship could be a Premier League club that stays up in the next season. Especially the ones that parachute. Yeah. the money just stays money, there. Money's huge. That's why Norwich keep coming up and down, up and down. They're going to struggle down. this year, but... Uh, yeah, that's a different, different episode. We will do our customary one year of what does the championship look like episode. Don't worry, that will come out later on in the year. Um, but for me, it's more the fact that they haven't really had a penalty either. Slanky's a penalty taker. That's the other big thing. Yeah. That... If Bournemouth were doing this without any massive slices of luck, yes, Spurs had 24 chances, did not score. Um, they only scored two. I still think there's a world where Bournemouth are still going to get a few more results. I think that's a win that if you're looking at that, like Leicester, yeah. oh, that's a team we can't catch now. 34 points, uh, 33 points, and we're on 25. That's a team we can't yeah, catch. Unless they, they have to go and beat them. Yeah, exactly. Now, look, there is a case that Bournemouth could go lose the last seven games. Because it's Bournemouth, but, but again, you give them enough. Like these guys have enough home games. All they got to do now, all these sides here have to do is go get results in their home games, and they're and they're literally home. Yeah. Because if you can get three or four results, and you're already five points clear, it's massive. They're six pointers because that just runs the other opposition out of game, out of time. Yeah. You know, and look, if I'm Leicester, I'm very worried, and if not. Well, if Southampton are done at twenty three points, and we're only two points ahead. Why exactly. Are, why, why are we not we, done? Why are we not done? Why are we not cooked? The only reason that you do that is because it's Leicester, and you know that the quality is there. And a lot of people tell you oh, the quality will shine through. Should have shined through by now. Yeah, I agree. And they've only won seven out of thirty one games, which is criminal for for how good they are. And I think they need to get to eleven wins. I need to I think they need to get to ten wins. 
I think that their focus needs to be West Ham leads yep. slipping in order for them to get out. Yeah. I think the thing is out of their control now. I think they're relying on them winning plus West Ham and Leeds probably starting to stumble. But look, we'll probably do another couple of weeks Correct. where we'll go through that relegation when it's a bit clearer. I think, again, lots to play out. We'll get another episode up next week. There's a, It's an interesting week next week because there's some FA Cup games, there's some Premier League games, there's going to be so many games in hand for some teams. Brighton, again, are going to get another game in hand on a few teams that are in and around that European spot. So there's lots to happen. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow and do all the things you need to on all the podcasts and platforms to make sure you get notified because the episodes are going to be a bit sporadic. So some will be... Ideally, they're coming out on Mondays with a Sunday recording, but I can't guarantee that all the time. But make sure you get all those notifications on so you do know when they drop. Make sure you're in the Discord. I do add that link in. I normally write in there when it's gone live, so you get a little message saying that the pod's live, especially now that we're throwing them up on YouTube for the time being for the rest of the season as well. So if you do enjoy it, I'll be checking who subscribes from the videos as well. So make sure, if you're at this point, if you've watched for 28 minutes... Make sure you're subscribing because I think if we've held your attention for this long, we deserve a subscribe. So, Damo, thanks for your time once again. That's okay, mate. It's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, big shout-out as well after this week. Make sure you remember in your fantasy teams that only the deadline's only two days after that too. Just want to do that public service announcement. Yeah, that's mental. All right, well, we will see you guys next week for another episode and we'll go from there.